0: Hello and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. I'm your host Conor Bromley and we're joined today by Mirror Football journalist Kieran King. Um, we're here to talk about the World Cup though the first place to start has to be the World Cup final. Yesterday seed as arguably certainly the best World Cup final of my life, um, arguably the best World Cup final ever. It was a game that ebbed and flowed for 80 minutes it looked like argentina were the the certain winners and then france came roaring back argentina then got themselves ahead in extra time you thought they'd won it Kelly and back gets himself the equalizer and his hat trick for 3-3 and then we had the drama of penalties with kieran what were your views on the final do you think it was the best world cup final certainly in your life but also the best one
1: ever I think, personally, it's the best one I've seen. I mean, what more could you ask for, really? Drama throughout, lots of goals, penalties. I mean, the only thing I had against this World Cup final is that I thought the the playing surface wasn't at its best. Um, I thought, I know, a few occasions in the first half where the ball bobbled up to Di Maria when he had that shot. and I don't think you would potentially see that in the Premier League, but... Apart from that, I thought, you know, it was a brilliant game and a brilliant advert for football in general. Do you think that
0: while it was the most entertaining final we've seen for a long time, do you think that the actual 11s going against each other were the best? Because you, you think back to, say, uh, the 2010 World Cup, where Spain against the Netherlands and that Spain team was phenomenal. You looked at it, every single player on there was superstars. And you look at... France in Argentina yesterday and they both had one phenomenal in the top echelons of players in in Mbappe and Messi but the rest of the squads aren't necessarily you know Argentina have got a Brighton player for example that's the one that's you know been thrown out Brighton player Aston Villa players winning the World Cup and the France team they've got lots of injuries when I looked at the 11s yesterday I thought that it was surprising to see that level of player playing in a World Cup final. I don't know if that's just me, but I, I, don't, I don't think it necessarily the quality of the players represented
1: what normally you see in a World Cup final. But what do you think of that? Yeah, well, I, I got asked the question yesterday, actually, um, about, you know, Argentina and England and the comparisons for obviously if England got to the final. And I looked at the Argentina side and I could only see a couple of the players actually getting in the England eleven don't know whether that's, you know, England English bias, you know, for me being you know, a proud Englishman. But, you know, I look from 1 to 11. Uh, I didn't see many of the Argentina players actually getting in the England team. You know, even though, you know, if England and Argentina played each other, um, I think obviously it would be, you know, a relatively close game. But, you know, as you said, I don't actually think that the Argentina side was was packed with that much quality. But I think when you've got a side that play with that much aggression, and that much team spirit, I think that that pulled them across the line, especially in penalties, like they well as soon as the the game went to penalties, you had so much faith in the likes of martinez you know in in a natural game scenario for me, Martinez isn't nowhere near some of the best goalkeepers in the world, but when he gets to penalties, his mentality and his way of you know putting opponents off and his and his in game you know knowledge isn't as good as you know some of the best goalkeepers, but when he gets to penalties. You know, I just think I knew Argentina was going to win because they've got that kind of bittiness and that aggression and that mentality, which I don't think the top some of the top sides in in the world like England have at the moment. Um but as you say, I mean, France, I mean, they were missing some of their best players as well. Pogba, Kante, um Nkunku, Kimpembe. I just don't think that, you know, it was you know, the best quality final you've ever seen. I just think, you know, because there were so many players missing and the fact it was Argentina versus France, I think that's why it was packed with so much drama. Whereas, you know, in in, in you know finals gone by, for example, Germany, Argentina, that was I felt that was a bit more of a quality final, but fine margins win you the game. Whereas I felt this one was a, just a bit more bonkers, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about the penalty shootout there to me Hugo Lloris is not the man you want to be standing there for the the penalty shootouts I never had any faith I don't think he particularly got close to any of the of the penalties do you think that maybe he should have uh, I think it was Louis van Gaal wasn't it for the Netherlands years ago where he put in Tim Krul do you think that Didier Deschamps should have maybe thought about pulling one of them and putting somebody else in nets for the shootout
1: yeah, I mean that would have been, you know, I think Alphonse Areola, 6 foot 5, you know, he's he's saved penalties, you know, before Fulham and West Ham and I think he might have been, you know, a better, you know, alternative, but I think the fact that Hugo Lloris, you know, sort of put Harry Kane off for that penalty in the quarter final, I think that probably would have played onto Chomps's mind and given him the, you know, the benefit of the doubt for that for that um particular shootout. And I don't think because France had too many difficulties going in, you know, lorries didn't make too many mistakes. I think that's probably what gave him the edge, but, you know, obviously saw it in the, uh, in the cup final last season between Chelsea and Liverpool, when obviously, you know, Kepa came in for Mendy and, you know, Mendy was having a, an absolute blinder, decided to bring Kepa in. And, you know, that didn't, didn't t- inevitably pay off. So, you know, if, if it, <laughs> If you make the sub and it pays off, you look like the you know, the angel, but if it doesn't, you know, all the French media be saying, Oh, why did you bring Loris off? So you know, I can see the argument for it, but for me, you know, I think I would I would have given Loris the, the benefit of the doubt, even though Ariola, you know, is a is a superb penalty stopper.
0: But were your, you know, sort of views on Kylian Mbappe's performance, because he, you know, I was almost sad watching him pick up the top scorer award and he looks so upset, well, not upset, just, you don't know, it's like the last place you want to be, isn't it? On that podium there, picking up an award. What do you make of his performance yesterday? Obviously two penalties, uh, but a hat-trick overall. Do you think that he is now essentially being past the torch from Leo Messi as being the best player in the world? And now Kylian Mbappe is gonna going to take that
1: throne for a while? I think he was probably, well, definitely France's best player on the night yesterday. Um, I felt it was a little bit disappointing against England and a little bit disappointing against Morocco, although obviously he got the inevitable assist for the second goal against Morocco. Um, But last night he really showed up, didn't he? He It was was phenomenal. Um, Obviously, after Deschamps decided to make two subs before half-time, I felt like that really changed, you know, the, the... I mean, give Deschamps chances do that really changed the the ebb and flow of the game. Really, it, it made France a little bit more potent. You know, I felt like the players that came on, Chiram and Guani, um, Guani, yeah, who came on, he was that they were driving at players, and it made Mbappe really drive at players as well. I didn't think they were driving enough at the Argentina backline because you know it is a backline to get at. You know, they've shown earlier in the tournament. I mean, Saudi Arabia got at it and you know, scored two goals. Um, but I don't think many other teams have really tried to get at the Argentina back line as much as, you know, teams have done previously. So I felt like France did that. And, you know, Mbappe was brilliant. I mean, the I mean, his second goal was absolutely superb, you know, the volley. Because um, that's a really difficult technique, you know, to keep it low. And although, you know, Martinez maybe could have saved it. I felt that was probably a, a criticism of his performance, um, take nothing away from the finish. It was brilliant. And you know, to keep your composure because having taken penalties, not at the highest level, but especially, you know, for the second one, that's always the most difficult, I feel, because the first one you put it in the corner, and then what do you want to do with the second one? Are you going to put it in the same corner or are you going to change sides? And I think that's a really difficult thing to do. I've seen people in the past, you know, miss the second penalty, for example, Harry Kane, you know. Deep put it in the same corner? Obviously Mbappe, you know, chose to put it in the same corner and luckily for him, you know, it went in. But, you know, that takes some doing really to step up again, you know, and, and obviously stepped up in the shootout and scored as well. Um, although I don't think there was as much pressure on that penalty because, you know, inevitably Argentina were going to win um, unless it was, you know, a bit of a miracle really. So I think for me, you know, it was a terrific performance. And obviously won the golden boot for me, deserved. You know, some of his performances and his his quality of finishing, especially against Poland in the last 16, was, you know, terrific. He only had a couple of chances in that game and, you know, dispatched really well.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDSE. What did you make of you know France for the first, certainly the first 40 minutes of the game were absolutely appalling. But even until they got that penalty I thought they were nowhere near. I mean, there were reports that they were had illness going through the camp. I don't know if it was COVID or something like that. But it to me, they just looked miles off the pace. They obviously got back into it, but do you think they'll have regrets over the fact that when they did turn up from eighty minutes, they made a hell of a game of it? And if they'd maybe started like that, they probably would have won the
1: game. Yeah, I think sometimes it makes you realize after 40 minutes, you know, sometimes you can't predict these things. Like you can't predict potentially like how, how a team's going to start. You often see people make changes at half time. You know, you can, you can give the most enthralling, you know, pre-match team talk, but the players need to deliver on the pitch. And I don't think France did that. I thought they were, they were half a yard sluggish. I thought when they had the ball, they didn't keep it well enough. I thought Argentina, credit to them, they pressed really well. They closed the gaps. France just didn't have a moment's peace. And when they did, you know, they were wasteful. You know, there was a couple of occasions where Varane came out of the ball, but he had no options. Argentina closed the gaps and France weren't really looking for you know spaces. You know, Olivier Giroud, I mean, give him to do, he's a brilliant player and he's a, a top quality finisher and he's done this for years, but... I think he was very isolated. And I think in that type of game, you possibly needed a runner in behind or somebody to come short, you know, to to collect the ball like, like Alino Messi would do if he plays as a false nine or Kevin De Bruyne does for Man City when he plays as a false nine. But I don't think, you know, Giroud as a target man, you know, suited that type of game. Whereas, you know, when they bought Mbappe centrally, he could run in behind, he could come short, he could spin off. Whereas I don't think Giroud did that. So I think, you know, second half, France really played between the lines and Griezmann was, you know, terrific in the second half. Whereas, you know, in the first half, he was nowhere to be seen because I don't, just don't think France had that control. And I think if they just started like that, you know, I'm not, you don't, you can't really predict, but I think, you know, France might have had a lot more, you know, control and Argentina probably wasn't, you know, going to be gifted so many chances like they were in the first half.
0: And you think, you know, move on now to talk about Leo Messi. That's seemingly what everyone wants to talk about with this World Cup. But do you think his status now is, is the best ever, is, is cemented? I mean, Piers Morgan's kind of been the the one trumpeting the Ronaldo, um, I'd say, propaganda the last few weeks. You know, he's been on that, you know, wearing that T-shirt and he's making sure everybody knows about it. But the fact that he's now won the Copa America, he's won the World Cup, he's won everything in club football. Do you think that we can quite comfortably say that he's the the best player certainly of his generation but also potentially the best player ever?
1: Yeah, I mean I would personally say um Messi is the greatest, you know, of definitely of, you know, his generation. Um obviously the the aging old debate of of him and Cristiano Ronaldo obviously, you know, flying, you know, doing the rounds obviously over the past week. But having you know watched you know them both in person a couple of times, um, I've always felt you know Messi you know gets you on the edge of your seats. You know you might not see him for you know half an hour, but once he get once he has the ball, he gets on you know on the edge of the seats. You know not like Ronaldo doesn't, but you know I think Messi just brings something extra, something extra. You know, an extra pass, a cross, a shot. Whereas I think Ronaldo's you know can you know doesn't doesn't do that as much but both you know both had terrific careers you know obviously Ronaldo's won three league titles in well, multiple league titles in different leagues Um obviously won countless Champions League Ballon Dors. but you know I just think Messi you know with, with winning this World Cup I think really cements him you know as the as the greatest really Um obviously you know I can't really speak too much of the the Pele's and Maradona's of you know the 80s and the obviously the 60s of, of you know Pelé but you know all I can say is you know Messi um, I think you know if he retires tomorrow people will probably remember him you know as the best
0: Do you think that the comparison between him and Ronaldo the way that Argentina won that World Cup yesterday I just feel like Ronaldo wouldn't have had the almost the mentality to to keep his cool in that situation you know if it feels to me that Ronaldo's recently shown his colours to be like negative. He's been a negative influence around Portugal, a negative influence around Manchester United. Whereas you don't hear that about Leo Messi. You don't hear that he is a negative influence. And do you think that mentality is ultimately what has given him that edge over Cristiano Ronaldo? Because you you think back to Ronaldo, even in this tournament, it feels like he was... I don't want to say spitting his dummy out, but that, that's kind of how it felt to me when he wasn't playing. And I don't feel like Ronaldo's necessarily a team player, whereas yesterday you could see that Leo Messi was a team player. His whole game is about bringing in other players, trying to set up other players, play brilliant passes around the corners. In Ronaldo's game, to me, feels more like I want to score. I want the glory. It's all about me. Do you think that's a fair criticism? Or do you think that you know there is truth to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, after the reports, obviously of Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, walking out of Old Trafford because um, against Tottenham, because obviously, you know, um, he didn't respect sort of Eric Ten Hag, and I just think, you know, I think that's a yeah, that's a fair, you know, the fair point. Um, You'll see Messi rallying the troops, obviously, of Argentina. Not like Ronaldo, you know, does that for you know Portugal, because obviously you saw him in the Euro twenty sixteen final. You know, he was acting like a manager towards the end, but. Was that potentially because, you know, he, he couldn't be involved because of injury? Do you think he was forced to not play? Whereas, you know, in the Switzerland and, you know, uh, Morocco games where Ronaldo was benched, um, he he obviously, you know, didn't choose to not play. You know, he was forced to not play because the manager's decisions. And, you know, although he celebrated, you know, a couple of the goals to start with against Switzerland, you could tell... You know, he still wasn't happy. You're not going to be happy. You're one of the best players in the world. You're not one of the best players of his, you know, generation. You're not going to be happy to be on the bench. But I think at the biggest stages like that, I think there is, you know, a time and a place to be angry, you know, and not show it to, you know, the whole world. Um, and I just think, you know, Messi, you know, the way he, you know, brings that Argentina players together, um, and the way he kind of rallies the troops, you know, it meant so much to him. And I think it would have meant so much to Ronaldo, but I do think, you know, personally, I think Messi, you know, has cemented himself as more of a team player. Um, you know, he's he's always happy to get an assist. You know, not like, like I say, not like Ronaldo, is not happy to get an assist, but I feel like Messi, you know, always credits an assist as much as a goal. You know, there's always that age old saying of, you know, I celebrate an assist as much as a goal. Like I know Kevin De Bruyne has come out and said, you know, he'll, he'll celebrate and assist as much as the goal. And I think that for Messi, you know, is as important, you know, especially for Argentina. And I think, you know, that's that's definitely a fair comment.
0: We'll move now on uh, Gareth Southgate, who's staying on as England boss, at least until the 2024 Euros, unless, of course, something disastrous happens between there and we don't qualify. Um, What's your verdict on that? Was it time for Southgate maybe to step aside? That seemed to be kind of the school of thought. I've seen a lot of people um, thinking that he'd taken the team as far as he could, but from my perspective, I've never seen an England team as together as this. Um, You look back at that golden generation of Gerrard, Lampard, Ferdinand, all them players, and it never felt like an actual team brilliant individuals but it never really worked this feels like a proper team it almost feels like a club team but is that enough to justify uh giving Gareth southgate this this job with arguably one of the best england squads um ever certainly looking at phil Foden and jude bellingham for Saka. you know them three players will be in their prime come the next euros and the next world cup um What's your view? Is this a good decision for Gareth Southgate? Is it a good decision for England? Or do you think they should have maybe parted ways and tried a a Thomas Tuchel say who was heavily
1: linked? Um, for me, I think I think there needs to be a change. I think you know that could be, you know, a controversial view based on you know what is achieved. But I think you look at Deschamps, for example, yesterday, making changes after 40 minutes. There was no, there's no, I don't think there's no way Gareth Southgate would have done that in the final, you know, no matter how, you know, the game was changing, he would have given his players on the pitch, you know, some time to, you know, change the, the, the proceedings. And I don't think, you know, you look at that, that is top quality management and, you know, for example, you know, Scaloni had changed, you know, the team pretty much, you know, for the whole tournament. You know, <laughs> um, Di Maria who scored yesterday. He hadn't started a game, I don't think, in, like before the first. After the first game, you know, he brought him back and he scored. You know, that is top quality management for me, and I don't think, you know, Southgate is at that level, you know, compared to some of the the top managers on the on the planet. And you know, Van Gaal, for example, last week brought Wagueurst well, on. You know. That Vegorst, you know, that former Burnley man who got them relegated last season, well, helped them to get relegated last season, comes on comes on and scores twice. And I just think them in-game moments, I don't think Southgate has at the moment. because um, I felt against France last week there was a 20-minute period from when England equalised and when France scored, and I felt the game was ebbing and flowing and was a period where France really you know took a bit more control and I think that was the time to change it you know bring the subs on because let's face it the England players on the bench were you know for me you know a lot better quality than the players that you know on the on the um, starting 11 uh, the the two subs the England subs were a lot better than the French subs in my opinion so I think for me you know I think the France players um, you know there was a time to change it and I think For me, you know, there was a time to change. And I think Thomas Tuchel, Jose Mourinho, I mean, they're born winners. You know, they would have probably been, you know, better suited for the England job um, to get the best out of some of the players. And even, you know, even Brendan Rodgers was, you know, touted. And I I felt, you know, he might have been a better shout as well. But, you know, I, I do respect, you know, the FA's decision. I think, you know, they've worked with Southgate. You know, Southgate is a good... Um, person to work with a team, you know, and I think, yeah, I think I think I understand the decision, and hopefully brings it, you know, brings it home in twenty twenty four. But, you know, I feel like this is a time to change because the squad is so good at the moment.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you talk about uh, the Weghorst horse substitution because, you know, I felt like with his squad, you know, Callum Wilson he brought there, and I'm a Sunderland fan, so you know, I'm not going to sit here and wax lyrical about Callum Wilson, but <laughs> to me, he just is something different. Like, Why bring him to the World Cup if you're never ever going to try and put him on to influence games? Because we all know what Callum Wilson is. He's quick, he's a bit of a menace, and he's he's a, he's a natural finisher. He gets goals and to me, you know, we're in that situation against France. We needed a goal and, you know, why not chuck him on for the last 20 minutes of the game, up front with Kane, or even, I mean, I know it's probably controversial to say so, but you can even take Harry Kane off. Like he doesn't have to play every minute of every game. And I, and I feel like that's also something that Southgate's kind of been reluctant to do. You know, he has his players and he just plays them. You know, he doesn't think about, well, for this game, would we benefit from having something slightly different? You know, it feels like we've got to set basically 11 players that play and he doesn't really want to change it beyond that. And, you know, I even looked at Ben White. I know he got sent home. Um... We don't quite know why yet. But he's having a brilliant season for Arsenal. But again, nowhere near. He was never, ever going to play unless there was injuries in that team. And you look at the other teams around there, Konate, say for France, you know, he was the third centre-back. But they used him, they utilised him when they needed to utilise him. And I think that for me, the criticism that I have of Gareth Southgate is that he's done such a brilliant job sort of off the pitch of bringing everyone together. It's clear that the players really like him and it's clear that, he has done a very good job of fixing a lot of the issues, but his actual tactical management of games and his record against you know nations that we see ourselves as on a par on is really poor. And yeah, you know, he's not actually I think he's beaten Germany at the Euros. They're probably the only of the traditional huge footballer nations, they're the only ones that we've beaten. I think I yeah. can't think we've beating any of the others. Yeah. And that's going to be the main criticism for him. And that's the thing that, for me, going into this this Euros, you know, he has to get some wins against you, France, Spain, yeah. them,
1: sort Belgium. You know, they beat us twice at the twenty eighteen World yeah. Cup. You've given me, you've given me opportunity there to speak about James Madison. Yeah, go on. Um, like, you know, I'm a Leicester fan. And I've seen this player play for, you know, over, you know, f- you know four and a half years for for Leicester. And over the past sort of 18 months, you know, there's nobody, you know, that in my opinion, you know, that tops him, you know, for, for goals and assists um, for English midfielders. He's been really phenomenal. Um, like this season, he's got seven goals in the Premier League and uh, four assists which I believe is more than any of an English midfielder. And I just think, you know, the way, you know, attracts players, the way he can create and score goals. I just don't think there's a player like him. Like Phil Foden is brilliant, but I think he's better, you know, playing, you know, maybe just off the left, just off the right. And although Madison plays that position for Leicester, I don't think there's a natural number ten in the England squad that can play, you know, in between the lines. Mason Mount's good, but I feel like he's a bit more, you know, box to box, a bit more energetic, can get up and down the pitch. Whereas, you know, Madison gets the ball on the half turn, can spin. You know, I just think, you know, to get no in the form he's been in, to have no minutes at all at the World Cup, you know, for me was, you know, a little bit scandalous. Like, why, you know, take a player of that quality and not, you know, include him, you know, in, in at all you know although he was injured for the first you know two games against Iran and USA and i think potentially he might have got some minutes again especially against Iran you know when the scoreline was in doubt but you know he's a terrific player you know left foot right foot dead ball situations corners you know outside the box if you need a bit of magic you know he can fire one in um and i just think you know he could have you know got more minutes you know and, and the same with wilson you know he was a terrific player you know runs you know, in behind, you know, he's is a, is a terrific finisher, you know, and it, I think we we may have, you know, squandered the opportunity not to use them players more. Yeah, frustrating, isn't it? Because, as you say, it's like, why take them if you're
0: not interested in using yeah. them? You know, you've got to have some. I mean, I thought it was frustrating watching were against Wales and he, you know, basically through and he never thought to try and get people minutes because you look at, say, players like Connor Cody, you know very unlikely that he'd play but if we did actually win the world cup it would have been nice to give these players minutes I mean, in against wales when you're basically through why not try and, and get them on there so I, I, I found that a little bit irritating I mean, we've kind of touched on the next point but what what england need to do for the 2024 euros um you know harry kane will be 31 i think by the time that kicks off certainly yeah. heading towards 31 so probably his last Tournament where he's going to be the main man for England, you would think, unless there's a player that's going to sort of burst through the ranks and use certain, but I, I don't see that happening. Um, maybe Ivan Tony, who's having a phenomenal yeah. season and didn't go to the World Cup, but I think that was probably for off field issues. But what do you think England need to do for the 2024 Euros? Are the players I feel like it's only 18 months away, so it's not likely we're going to see any players that are going to burst right. through in the next 18 months, you know, they're not going to see any. Phil Foden's come from academies and get into the squad, you wouldn't think. Do you think it's stay the course if you're sticking with Gareth Southgate, just continue doing what you're doing and hope that you can beat France or beat one of the
1: big nations at the tournament? Yeah, I think for me, I was having this conversation yesterday and I think if you look at Argentina, they've got, you know, a side to them that I don't think England have. Like the, you know, the nastiness and the, you know, the bittiness that they have to, you know, to get through and, and and really win games. I just don't think England have that, you know, I don't think England have that winning mentality and that sort of, you know, I saw a post yesterday that England won the FIFA fair play award. You know, it's not about, you know, if you want to win major honours, it's not about winning that award. It's not about getting the least yellow cards. You know, I think, you know, I saw an instant yesterday where I think it might've been a cuna. I completely you know nail one of the french french players you know on the counter attack and i think if that was england i don't think that would have been the case you know i just don't think we have that side to us you know that some of the best teams in the world have like france like croatia did when they you know beat brazil they were astute they did what it took to win the game and same with morocco against portugal you know they did what it took to win the game whether that be you know, get across the line by, you know, last ditch challenges and, and certain instances where, you know, in the morals of the game, sometimes it's not right. But some of the actions Argentina did against Netherlands, you know, I didn't think was right. But actually, you know, looking back on it, you know, if if that's what it takes to win the game, that's what it takes. You know, in penalty shootouts, when Martinez, you know, does that dancing, then dances after he saves the penalty. You know, some people don't like it. Some people think it's a bit disrespectful. But if that's what it takes to pot off the opponent and win the game, I think, you know, England need to be a bit more astute and have that side to them, you know, that can get them over the line against some of the top teams. Because I don't think we've done that under Southgate. As you said earlier, we lost against Italy, who were very astute. I don't think they were as good as a football team as us on the night, especially at Wembley. But I felt they had something that we don't have. And I think that's got to change heading into, you know, Euro 2024, in my opinion. Yeah, we're very nice
0: as a football team, aren't we? Yeah. You think like club football, especially in like the EFL and stuff, it's win by any means necessary. You know, kick the ball away, <laughs> dirty little fouls and whatnot. And we, you're right, we, we just don't do that. Um, watching England can be yeah they're just they're very like clean and pure almost <laughs> just like no yeah. we want to win in the in the correct way um, okay my well, last point final thoughts on the World Cup I mean I've seen FIFA as they always do but they said this was the, the best World Cup ever um, mm. pff, it's been an entertaining World Cup um, you know you take out all the the politics of it um, and just focus on the football it has been a very entertaining World Cup the Winter World Cup as well hasn't to me, being as upsetting to my life as I thought it would, I would have preferred it in the summer. But I, I don't think it's been a disaster being in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, what, what what do you think this World Cup? If you were look at this in in your life, you know, two thousand and two was the first one I can probably remember. Um, I would say this one probably has been the most entertaining that I've seen. Particularly the final yesterday, just knocked it over one edge you know you never see a final as as good as that really in any of the top competitions
1: yeah after the first you know couple of days of action i think i was quite underwhelmed you know obviously you know we had the denmark nil tunisia nil as one of the ones that really stood out to me that was a really poor game um I think Iran versus, no, um, USA versus, you know, Wales was a really poor game as well. And there were a couple of poor games to start with. I think I've seen the, you know, the group phases, but once, you know, it reached the knockouts and you had some, you know, dramatic, real endings to games, um, you know, it has been pretty memorable. Um, and for me, you know, probably the best, you know, that I've seen. Um, I always thought South Africa, you know, 2010 was really memorable. I don't know, there was something about it, you know, the atmosphere, you know, the Vuvuzela's. I just think the old carnival atmosphere at South Africa was a lot better. You know, stadiums felt a bit more full, you know, compared to Qatar. Obviously, there were a lot of empty seats really in stadiums, you know, for various different reasons. But that would be the only thing for me that, you know, let it down in terms of, you know, the carnival atmosphere of South Africa. You know, although the football on the pitch for me in this tournament was a lot better and a lot more dramatic, you know, compared to the South Africa World Cup. But I just think, you know, the whole carnival atmosphere of South Africa really picked that one for me as more memorable.
0: You think that's because Qatar isn't a traditional football nation, whereas you think like where World Cups have been previously, maybe not so much Russia, but Brazil, South Africa, Germany, uh, even South Korea and Japan, they really, really embraced the tournament, whereas it felt like Qatar isn't,
1: but uh, it's not a traditional football nation. You know, yeah, it's not a nation it's more, that has a history of yeah. it, is it? I think it's more of a sporting nation as well. Though, because I think in, in tournaments like this, you know, people who love sport come together. But a lot of people, you know, rugby fans watching the football because it just, you know, brings the whole country together. And I just think, you know, South Africa, you know, traditionally they're more of a, you should sort of, I think anyway, more of a rugby, you know, rugby cricket nation. But I think because of the sporting background, everyone sort of comes together, which I felt, you know, united the nation for the, you know, the 2010 World Cup. And, you know, obviously the, the 2016, was that in Germany? Was that, that was in 2006,
0: Germany? 2006 was
1: Germany. Germany, yeah. it's obviously traditionally footballing nation. 2002 South Korea, 2010, 14 Brazil. You know, Brazil, you know, footballing nation. That was a terrific tournament. Yeah, it was absolutely a fantastic tournament. But, I think that's probably the reason why, you know, the carnival atmosphere wasn't particularly as, you know, prevalent in Qatar and the stadiums probably wasn't as full. was probably because of that reason. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, um, we're out of time here. So thanks, Kieran, for joining me. And um, we'll be back in three and a half years to talk about the next World Cup in the USA and Canada and Mexico, which is going to be an interesting one. The format there with the, Extra teams, and they're talking about changing that to a 14 tournament. So we'll see what happens there. But thanks, Kieran, for joining me, and please subscribe to the Football Digest if you haven't already. And we'll catch you, no doubt, soon to talk about the Premier League, which is coming back now with a vengeance. Yeah. So normally after a World Cup, you got a few weeks' peace, love football, but no, straight back in it. I think we're back in it on Tuesday night, actually, with the Carabao Cup. So that's correct. It's going be, yeah, going to be very, very exciting to have normal traditional football fight (laughs) although if you're an EFL fan to be fair we've had football the whole way and I think the SPL came back last weekend as well so we have had a um a return to football so thanks Kieran again and um we'll see you soon